Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Coach Radio. That's audibletrial.com slash Life Coach Radio. And now, here's today's show. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Making Inspired Choices with Coach Linda. I'm your host, Linda Stevens Jones. This radio talk show gig is fairly new, but I'm a certified Christian life coach, and it's wonderful to have you tuned in today. I want to give a warm welcome to all of our first-time listeners. Thanks for joining me today. And to those of you who are listening to this episode after the live broadcast as a replay, hello out there, and I appreciate your listening. Today, I'm going to keep my remarks very brief in order to get right into the fantastic interviews I have for you. But first, let me give a Big shout-out of thanks to my last guest, Sister Rochella Mirable. Rochella is the Women's Ministry Director at my church and a phenomenal Bible study teacher. Her sharing was so beautiful and authentic as she and I extended the celebration of honoring and treasuring our mothers. I believe you'll be blessed if you go back and listen. And now for today's topic, ladies and gentlemen, today's theme is one that I've definitely tailored to my two distinguished guests. I'm foregoing what I call my coaching tips opening in order to get right into these interviews. The topic for today is becoming a part of the solution. You've heard it said, somebody should do something, or we need leaders, or why doesn't someone um, volunteer to run for office who can solve problems? We need problem solvers. And you know that old familiar question, are you a part of the problem or a part of the solution? Well, my guests today are both selfless, committed leaders in Virginia who have now stepped up to have a larger impact for the state by pursuing continued economic growth, fairness, and opportunities for all of the residents of the Commonwealth of Virginia. I am honored to have with me today Ms. Tilly Blanding, a candidate for House District 42. And later in the show, I'll interview Mr. Justin Fairfax, a candidate for Lieutenant Governor of Virginia. Now, I know you are listening from across the country, but stay with us today. I believe you'll relate to my guest messages no matter where you live, and you may even be prompted to get engaged yourself or find new ways in your community to become a part of the solution. I will first interview Tilly Blanding and, as I mentioned, Justin Fairfax afterwards. 
And at the end of the show, both of them will be on the line with me to take your calls. Okay? So let's get started. Let me begin with a brief introduction of Tilly Blanding. As I mentioned, Tilly is running for delegate of the House District 42. I'm going to give you just a brief introduction so you can hear from her directly. Tilly has been a guest on the show before, as a matter of fact, a little over a year ago, and I believe that was probably quite a bit before she decided to run for office. We'll let her tell us. Tilly is from South Carolina and attended South Carolina State University. She retired from a 40-year career in Fairfax County Human Services, social work, foster care, and adoption specialties, culminating as a Fairfax County Regional Community Developer. She has been a civil rights and social justice activist since her teen years. She is a community and civic leader in Northern Virginia and has volunteered in numerous civic capacities, including the Wounded Warrior Project. Residents of her district and the state could not find a better advocate to support them than Tilly Landing. I am so delighted to have her with us today. Tilly, welcome to the Making Inspired Choices show again. It's great to have you back with us. Linda, it is so great to be here with you today. I am inspired by you. Thank you for all you do for your listeners, the community you live in. You are just an awesome lady. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Well, you know, last year, just uh, a little over a year ago, I interviewed you as we celebrated mothers on the show, and I remember how much of an inspiration your mother was to you and how you have reflected her generosity and your support to so many over your own lifetime. The audience greatly enjoyed you at that time. Now, I've invited you back today for this special broadcast to let listeners get to know you even better and to hear how you plan to be a part of the solution in Virginia. I know that our listeners outside of Virginia will also benefit from what you have to share. So are you ready to get started? Oh, let's go. (laughs) Okay. So tell us a little bit about your growing up life, your growing up years first. Well, Linda, um, you know, I grew up in South Carolina, as you said, in a little town called Orangeburg. And in that town, we have two historically black colleges. So in the early 60s, whenever you had a civil rights movement, you had a robust movement if you had historically black colleges. So I was 13 at the time and did not know how this movement in the early 60s would really shape my life for what I'm doing now. And during Mm -hmm. that period, we marched, we demonstrated, we picketed, we did sit-ins. The likes of Martin Luther King came to our town to inspire us and motivate us and encourage Mm -hmm. us. Julian Vaughn came. Roy Wilkins, Jesse Jackson, all the leaders came. And these people were just awesome shapers of what, you know, I turned out to be in my later life. Did not know that mm-hmm. at the time. But we, um, we did the picketing because 
We couldn't get good jobs in the stores. We couldn't eat at the counter if we were tired uh, or thirsty. We couldn't even try on clothing in the stores, but we could all spend our hard-earned money in these uh, places of business. So one day I was walking mm-hmm. the picket line, and when I got to the end of the corner and turned, a man pulled over on the curb, rolled his window down, and pulled a loaded gun in my face. I was just 13 years old. And yeah, wow. needless to say, I was frightened, you know, by this. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Cindy saw it. We were picking it. was three of us on that block. And she said, run, Nelford. We went home and told my mother and father and the leaders of the movement. So my mother said to me, and this woman is a great warrior, as I explained to you before, who would stand in the face of adversity for what is right. I learned that from my mother. She said, baby, why don't you mm-hmm. just sit down? Why don't you just rest for the rest of the day, honey, and then you could go up back out tomorrow because this really shook her to the core that this happened to her baby child. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, mother, no, they can't win. I'm going back out today. Well, she let me go back out. She said, mother, let me go back out. I tell you that because, you know, that's what I am. I'm on the battlefield for justice. I've been fighting for justice, equality, fairness, humaneness all my life. Went back out there on that picket line to show these policemen that we told and the business people that they were not going to frighten us. We were out there for a purpose, and that was for justice and fairness. And you know what culminated out of that? The Civil Rights Bill in 1964. So, you know, I've learned wow. that when you stand strong, you can win, but you have to stand strong. You have to really dig yeah. deep, yeah, and find the results. So that was a lot of courage for you as a that was a lot of courage for you as a thirteen year old I mean, and for your parents to um be strong enough to let you go back out. Wow, right that tells you know, us a lot about your upbringing yes yeah, tell know. us you know given given that kind of upbringing. Just share a few of the core values that you hold today, Tilly. That's a great question. Think about the life you're living. You just do the life you're living. And, Mm -hmm. you know, from a child, my parents, we were in church every Sunday. So, you know, I grew grew up in a faithful family that really showed me how to love my uh, brothers and sisters through all of that adversity. You know, even when people would spit upon us and call us out of our names and call us everything but a child of God, we were taught to pray for those people. So, you know, in that, you know, you you learn to love even more. You have a greater, greater, uh, you place value on that because you're praying for people that need proof um, because you know that you're on the right side of history. So, you know, my value is to help somebody, always help people to thrive and prosper. I was taught to lift people up. You know, there's a song that was Martin Luther King's favorite hymn, and it goes like this. If I can help somebody as I pass along. See, if I can help somebody as I pass along. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Help others up, Linda. So those values yes. have just saved me all my life. So I, I know that. 
I know that to be true about you. Um, I chose the theme for this show, being a part of the solution, specifically because you and Justin Fairfax are my guest today and the way you are demonstrating that. Tell us how you decided to run for the um, district delegate uh, seat, the 42nd district delegate seat of Virginia. Oh, my God, that's a great question. I have asked myself that a million times, Linda. (laughs) (laughs) How did I get to be here where I am today? You know, this was not the plan on my life. You know, uh, there was a greater power working in my life. And when I see things Mm -hmm. around me, See, that, that goes back to my core values. See, see things around me, the bitterness, the hate that was being spewed, the divisiveness. You know, I mm-hmm. just said, I, you know, I need to do something. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've always been encouraged by my union and by others to run for office. And, of course, I said no, but, you know, I was working at the time. But now, um, when I retired, my union, which is SEIU, you know, uh, mm-hmm. came to me me to do this, and I still wasn't sure, you know, that I wanted to do it. And I thought, if you don't run against the opposition, you can never change the dynamic of what's happening in the country. So you must yes. run against me. And I stepped up feeling the responsibility and the obligation to practice what I preached. So I was encouraged. Mm-hmm. You know what? We all need encouragement because I've never done this before. So it will be sure. a different mm-hmm. people of serving. I, I'm a servant all my life. I'm a social worker. I've retired mm-hmm. social worker. I've helped people. So serving is what I do. But this is a different mm-hmm. way of serving. Let's just say that. And I said, yes. okay. Yes. You know, and I prayed over it, and I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I am, um, I am sure somebody out there listening may be, Uh, grappling with some decision or opportunities that stand in front of them, but they are not ready to take advantage of the opportunity and, frankly, may still be saying somebody should when, in fact, Mm -hmm. you should. We all should step up. Mm -hmm. Um, um, What is your vision of how you will make a difference in this role, Tilly? Tell us a little about that. Um, okay. What I see is, you know, the things that I'm fighting for, Linda, um, mm-hmm. the vision that I have is a country that takes care of its people's health. Health care mm-hmm. for all is what I'm fighting for. Um, and in mm-hmm. Virginia, we are only about, about one of 15 states who have not accepted Medicaid expansion. Medicaid expansion would help 400,000 people in the state of Virginia with affordable health care options. It would create mm-hmm. 30,000 jobs, which would help shore up our economy. And it would mm-hmm. also help our military, our veterans, help our teachers who are not being paid enough. They're being paid $7,280,000 less than the average norm, than the national norm. And that's mm-hmm. not right because if we keep our world-class system, a lot of people don't know that we're slipping, okay? Teachers yes. will come here oftentimes and get the experience, work two or three years, and then they go to Arlington, they'll go to Alexander mm-hmm. City, they'll go to D.C. Mm-hmm. or Maryland because, why? they're making more money. I've knocked on mm-hmm. doors and I've met with husbands and wives, and I met with people. The husband told me the wife was leaving Fairfax County 
going to all of them because she will make more money. Our teachers yeah. deserve to make more money, and they should. Um, mm-hmm. We need to, you know, we need to do something about that. So, with the health care, with our teachers, and um, with gun safety, you think, Linda, after oh. what happened at Virginia Tech, we would be leading the nation in gun safety? Yes. No, we're not. It's just the opposite. We have the most lax gun laws in the nation. So we need to do something about that. That's just ridiculous. People can just, mm-hmm. I want common sense gun laws, you know, a, a waiting period of background checks. Yeah. These are not horrible things to ask for. So I will be down. That's why I want to go to Richmond to fight for these things for our district and our Commonwealth. Thank you. I I know there will be we no more of a passionate fighter than you. Um, I know you have been knocking on a lot of doors. You've got loads of people supporting you knocking on doors across your district. Um, I'd love for you to share with us, what are you hearing from residents in your district? I'm hearing some of the same things I just mentioned. You know, people are mm-hmm. just outraged at um, the just the whole atmosphere of the country, the climate, you know, about this all this divisiveness and they, they health care mm-hmm. people tell me that health care and a free public education should be a right in this country. We're the wealthiest, yes. richest country on earth, the wealth and we're the only developed nation that does not have that for its people. So, you know, there's no <laughs> question. Now that people have gotten a taste of the Affordable Care Act, the mm-hmm. percentage the polls are rather are showing people want health care and deserve it. You yes. should be able to go to the doctor before you get sick and when you get sick. Before you get mm-hmm. sick, it prevents something. So that you you know you know, you're taking care of yourself, you can catch anything that comes early. So we need mm-hmm. to take care mm-hmm. of the patients. You know, it's a matter of national security if you ask me. Because having health care because, you know, we want a healthy fighting force. And we must take care Absolutely. of our right. And we must take care of our fighting force. When they're in utero, good health care, maternity, and take care of our people. It's yes. a sin and a clean shame, as my mother would say. <laughs> so, you know, those are yes. things that we, uh, we're healing from people, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you have told us uh, some of the things that you are particularly passionate about based on what you're hearing from mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The the members, I mean, the residents in your district that you're uh, meeting and engaging with, um, what, tell us about some things that you've learned that we we may not know in terms of what's important or what is uh, going on behind the scenes that is important to bring to our attention. Well, you know, Linda, this has been a very humbling experience for me, this journey that I'm on. I've never mm-hmm. uh, done this before and in, in served in this, seek, you know, seeking to serve in this capacity. Um, mm-hmm. So it's humbling. And I have a lot of respect now for people who run for office. I say that mm-hmm. with a chuckle because this is 24-7 when you're really trying to make a difference and you want to make a difference. Um I'm I'm learning, you know, I'm a very introspective person. I can look at myself and step back and say, look, what do you need to do to make that situation better? 
you know, and I know that I'm not like that man sitting in the White House who knows everything. I don't know everything. So I would mm-hmm. depend, this is the kind of leader I would be, I would depend on the constituents, my residents who are experts, care about certain issues like the environment and the climate change and just yeah. education. These are the people that I would listen to because as a leader, the most effective tool in communicating is listening. Listening yes. to people. This what I've been doing as a social worker for about the 30 years I worked here in this county. Listening mm-hmm. to people on the green, in the trenches, in the grassroots where I've been. Having my ear to the ground and finger on the pulse of what they need for their communities. We have a thing mm-hmm. in community building, community strengthening. You don't have to move to live in a better community. Mm-hmm. We will show you because I used to conduct these uh, courses for the county called Neighborhood College Courses. A six-week, mm-hmm. seven-week course teaching people all about the resources around them that they don't even know because they can tap into. Yes. Yes, how your policing works, how your fire department works, your taxes. You want to talk to the and we have the, the people who are in these higher positions come and talk to them, the board members, just uh, mm-hmm. recycling anything that was, important in your community, you can learn about. You know, those are the things where I, the areas that I would like to, you know, hopefully make a difference in making communities stronger, mm-hmm. listening to people, pulling and lifting all people up, not just a special few, everybody. Yeah. No matter what the bank account looks like. You see what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Because, yeah, teaching people the value of their vote. Do you understand that? Because a lot of times we have so much apathy. We're so despair-driven. We don't think that our lives can change by that vote. Let me tell you what I think voting is. Voting mm-hmm. is the good equalizer. Puts you on the same level as everybody else. No matter what that man's bank account is standing next to you, you, you may have no money, and he may have all the money, but you is your power. It's the great equalizer. Yes. Yes, but we need to like educate to, mm-hmm. to teach people. I like that. Yes, that is your power. That is your voice. And you can change just, the dynamic and get people out of office who don't share your values. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to chime in and say I, I particularly love that you are committed to being a listener and not uh, making assumptions about priorities and needs that you will be able to um, tap into uh, experts, tap into people who have um, the depth of knowledge on topics that matter. So that alone is uh, the kind of climate, I think, that cultivates progress and Mm -hmm. and positive change. So thank you. Thank you for that. You know, Lizzie, you know the saying what we always say, my door swings on open hinges to you. Come on in. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. And and you are so right that voting is the great equalizer. Yeah. It is the great equalizer. Yeah. Um, we have, um, as I mentioned to the audience, opportunities to serve that they don't have to be opportunities to get into the into the political arena, 
but there are opportunities to serve just where we are within our communities, and we can be a part of solutions. Um, and I know that's what you've what you've done, and and I've watched you um, do exactly what you're saying of always lifting others up and and being a servant. So, audience, for those of you who are not were not familiar with uh, Tilly Blanding, um, I hope you. Count me as someone with credibility. I can, I can assure you, she's living her talk. Tilly, with the primary election next Tuesday, June thirteenth, June thirteenth audience. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have both Tilly Blanding and Justin Fairfax on the show today, um, because the primary election is next Tuesday. Just give us um, some information about how listeners can get more information, um, how they can support your campaign. All right. Well, what they can do is they can go to my website, Tilly okay. for Delegate, and that is TillyForDelegate.org. That's T-I-L-L-Y, ForDelegate.org. And um, everything is on there, all of our events. We have phone banking. We need people to phone bank. We need people to canvas. That's knock on doors. And we need Mm -hmm. people to be at the polls on election day, passing out sample ballots. Because, you know, there may be some people that we haven't contacted and they don't know much Mm -hmm. about me, so they can get some information um, on me. So we just need people to to do that. Uh, The polls open at 6 and they close at 7. And we and they can sign up online for that at chiliforzelegate.org. They can sign up online. We would love to have you. You know, you come and work several hours. We have three shifts because that's a long day. We're going to be giving you, you know, drink and snacks and stuff like that to, mm-hmm. you know, make your tummy happy. <laughs> Excellent. Uh-huh. Well, 6 a.m. to 7 p.m., June 13th, everyone. I hope you are marking the date for the primary down and the way you can join Tilly's um, campaign and operation to provide support is Tilly for delegate.org. Mm-hmm. Make note of that website. Um, Tilly, one last question I want to ask before um, I move to um, Justin Fairfax. Mm-hmm. I know you have had um, a wide range of endorsements, and I would love for you to just share some of the endorsements that you've received during this uh, your candidacy. Well, you know, I feel so blessed to have these endorsements. And like I said, these people did not endorse me because they like my teeth. They endorsed <laughs> me because of the work that I have done for 30 years here in the county, and I've lived in this same district for 32 years so I know it like the mm-hmm. back of my hand. I've worked it as a social worker. I've worked it as a member of the Fairfax Democratic Party for years. Mm-hmm. I've done everything from, you know, neighborhood team leader, canvas leader, captain leader. I'm even an elections officer. So I've been engaged politically for many years throughout my life. And the endorsements that I have are I have three uh, school board members have endorsed me because they know I'm a rich man, fight for education. I have Mm -hmm. seven unions 
have endorsed me because they know I go down to Richmond and fight for workers' rights. I have an immigration advocacy action group because they know I will connolly. Knew him when he was but a supervisor. Then he became chairman of the board, and now he's a congressman. I help him get elected. So these people know my body and breadth of work, and they know what I do stand on the battlefield for justice for all people. I've also uh, been endorsed by Justin Fairfax, your next guest. I have been endorsed by two other board members, Supervisor Catherine Hudgens and Supervisor John Faust. I I also have been endorsed by Greg Workheiser, who ran against the uh, Republican uh, elbow twice and almost won. So, you know, we just have a whole host of people who have joined this campaign, and we're just so happy about it and just trying to work really hard every day to be worthy of such service. Beautiful. We're working hard. We're not taking anything for granted. You need to know that. We're working hard. I I know that to be true, and um, that, I believe, I can't speak for all Virginians, but that I believe is uh, what is sometimes missing, someone who seeks to hold public office for the good of all of the people, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. people who have uh, who go in with select uh, predetermined mm-hmm. interest only. So we, we can't thank you enough for that. Um, while we're waiting for Justin... While we're waiting for Justin to join us, um, do you have a moment for me to ask you a couple more questions? Sure. But I'd like to say something in, in lieu of, you know, to piggyback on what you were saying, you know, about life. And, you know, I always say life is about relationships. When you build strong yes. and big relationships with people, they'll be there for you. And I have done it. I think this is what these endorsements were, are about, building strong mm-hmm. relationships with people in the community who live in these mm-hmm. neighborhoods and, and communities that they want to be better. We can always do better. We can always do better. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you've had quite a diverse um, championing across so many um, populations and domains, as I understand yes. it also. And yes. that speaks volumes. Yeah, it absolutely uh, you know, speaks volumes. It, you know what I said about this campaign? You know, what? I work with people from all backgrounds. I've built relationships with people from all backgrounds. Our campaign looks like the United Nations. Blacks, <laughs> whites, Jews, Muslims, everybody, Latinos. We have everybody mm-hmm. on Team Tilly's train. Because we're moving out here trying to help people, and that's all we're doing. We're on Team Tilly's train, so I'm just so happy to have all my people with me, my brothers and sisters that I've worked with in my job. You know, it just it's just a wonderful thing. You know, um, you you mentioned early in the interview, and I just I would love to connect this again for the audience how. You started so early in um, a mode of standing up, being courageous, um, 
justice. So it's what do you what do you feel with this full circle um, opportunity, if you will, that's come before you to actually go to the state house in Richmond? You know something, Linda. That's a great question. I don't think I mentioned that I've been jailed 17 times as a 13-year-old back in the Jim Crow era of segregation in our civil rights movement. 17 times. They don't know how I got out of the eighth grade. I was in jail all the time. Wow. Really? Wow. And let me tell you something. You said something about I don't just talk to talk. Well, I don't just talk to talk. I walk the walk. On January this year, I was arrested for the 18th time in the state senate building in D.C. fighting because they were trying to take away the Affordable Care Act. So we were jailed mm-hmm. that day with a hundred other people from around the nation in my union um, fighting mm-hmm. against that. There were some stories that would make you cry in there if people did not have that affordable health care. Some didn't have, mm-hmm. didn't have it, and his uh, wife died because she didn't have it. See, people, I don't think, realize people are dying every day because yes. they don't have health. You know, this full circle opportunity that you speak about is all connected. It, it all, is all connected in the grand scheme of things why I'm here. When I asked myself that question, I had to figure that out. You know, I kept thinking, mm-hmm. okay, I, this is where I am to be. Mm-hmm. This is my mm-hmm. calling. This is my calling. This is yes. where I stand. Um, I, didn't I see it as your calling. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know who could be. Well, I I just can't thank you enough. I know how full your schedule is one week before the primary, um, but can we please put you on pause just for uh, the next interview, and then you join us okay. back for callers? Yes, I will. At 12.55? Yes, I will. Thank yes, you I'll so be much. And thank you, Linda. Thank you, you so know who Thank you so much. Okay, babe. All right. Okay. Okay. And as I um, mentioned earlier, ladies and gentlemen, we have another guest that I want to make sure you have some familiarity with before the primary next Tuesday, June 13th. Uh, Tilly's coming back at the end of the interview. So right now, I want to introduce my second guest. I'm going to just give you a quick snapshot on Mr. Justin Fairfax. Justin is running for Lieutenant Governor of Virginia. He is on staff as counsel at Venable LLP. He is a family small business owner, a former assistant U.S. attorney for Virginia's Eastern District, Justin graduated from Columbia Law School and Duke University. If he is elected lieutenant governor, which we hope he will be, Justin plans to focus on the issues that he believes are most important to Virginia's working families and children. I'm going to let him tell you all about it. I'm honored to have him with us today. Justin, welcome back to Making Inspired Choices. Hi, Linda. Thank you so much for having me back, and and thank you for all the incredible work you do uh, to lift up so many people. So I'm grateful to be back with you. Thank you. Many listeners will recall 
when you were my guest last year when we talked about yes. vision. It yes. was so inspiring to hear about your personal journey. And I recall then just how committed you were to lift up others and to provide opportunities. Um, yes. So I'm going to jump right in now. And just for those who have not met you before, give us a little of your background and your growing up years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I was I was honored to be uh, on your program last year, and that was a tremendous discussion and a great opportunity mm-hmm. uh, to really share uh, more about our campaign and what we hope to do uh, to help Virginia's families and our young people to really achieve their God-given potential to, to reach uh, the American dream and have the same opportunities in life that so many of us have been blessed to to have. And, and uh, my passion, as you know, Linda, for public service and for uh, helping others uh, really does go back to my uh, personal story, to my early years. I had people who did just some amazing things for me uh, throughout my life to give me uh, what I like to call spiritual wealth. Uh, we uh, didn't have a lot of money growing up, and we faced uh, some very, you know, significant hurdles and long odds. But, uh, you know, people came together uh, and with, you know, our faith and, uh, and God and so many other people gave us opportunities that we could only have dreamed of. And uh, as you know, I was uh, raised primarily uh, by my mom. Uh, you know, my parents, I'm very close to both of them, uh, but they got divorced when I was about five years old. And uh, so what that meant was that my mom basically needed a place to start over. Uh, and she had four children, uh, and I was the youngest before. Uh, and uh, fortunately for us, that place was with my late maternal grandparents, uh, two of the best people that I've ever known. Uh, my grandfather, uh, Charles Butler, was a Howard University graduate, a um, World War II veteran, and a postal worker for 45 years. Uh, and he walked to work mm-hmm. every single day uh, in Washington. Uh, my grandmother, an incredible woman, she was a Howard University graduate as well, uh, was a nurse for more than 40 years uh, at Friedman's Hospital, which is now Howard University Hospital. And uh, mm-hmm. when their oldest child, my mom, I came knocking on the door in the mid-1980s in northeast Washington, D.C., uh, and she needed a place to, to start over, they did something really extraordinary, an extraordinary act of love, and they took all five of us into their home. Uh, and that really allowed you know, my mom and our family to have the comeback of a lifetime. And uh, my mom, who was a pharmacist, Charlene Fairfax, incredible woman, uh, worked uh, for some time, saved up enough money uh, to purchase the home right across the street uh, from my grandparents. So I'm a grandparent mm-hmm. living number 14. My mom bought number nine. And, uh, and that's where uh-huh. she raised uh, all four of us. It's where she actually lives to this day. Uh, more than 30 years later, uh, and just as miraculously, uh, she, with, again, the help of so many people, you know, my dad and, other, and others in our community, our neighbors, complete strangers, our church members, uh, was able to send all four of her children to college and two of us to law school. Uh, and in that really uh, incredible journey uh, was made possible, uh, again, through spiritual wealth. Uh, we did not have a lot of money, but we had faith and hope and optimism and uh, love and a high-quality education, uh, and people who said, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how dark today may seem, uh, tomorrow can be brighter, and you got to believe that every single day and, and work toward that every single day, and we'll create opportunities for you. Uh, and that spiritual wealth, you know, changed our lives. And what I believe to my core are two things. One is that when someone gives you that kind of spiritual wealth in your life, uh, you then have a spiritual debt that you must repay. Uh, and that is really the foundation of my passion for public service is that you have to go back uh, out and make that story possible for more people uh, and to fight for them to have that same journey 
uh, so that no matter where they start, how much money their family has or the circumstances under which uh, they are being raised, that they still get a shot at that American dream. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also believe to my core, and I love hearing people's individual stories and their family journeys, uh, because I believe that we all have different versions of that exact same story that I just told uh, about my uh, my family, uh, and that, you know, someone came along at some point in our lives. You know, you can substitute out my grandparents for a, a father, a mother, an aunt, an uncle, a teacher, a pastor, a coach, mm-hmm. a rabbi, an imam, someone who came along and, and did something extraordinary for us and, and gave us, you know, a, a much better life. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I think through this campaign, we're repaying a collective spiritual debt, you know, for all the things that people have done for us to make our lives uh, what they are. And so that's really what drives uh, me, it drives us in this campaign, and, it, and it's really uh, driven so many people to join us uh, in this uh, race, and, and it's been an extraordinary experience, uh, just one week out now from the June 13th election, and uh, the energy and enthusiasm around that message has just been tremendous. Um, I wanted to say to our audience, um, I, I'm going to have um, Justin to give his contact information also, but I tell you just from my own observation, and I'm very um, supportive of both his and Tilly Blending's campaigns. This is a gentleman who has really traveled this state, the entire state, uh, in this race for lieutenant governor. I I would imagine, Justin, there's not anyone from Virginia who's on the line today who has not heard um, something about your campaign along the way. <laughs> well, <laughs> We're very grateful. I'm very impressed with the uh, amount of time and effort you have put into getting to know the people across the state of Virginia. Um, Thank you. As I mentioned, yes. As I mentioned earlier, I chose the theme being a part of the solution or becoming a part of the solution specifically because I have you and Tilly as my guest today. Yes. You two are on the front end of finding solutions. Um, Tell us, and you you shared a little bit last time, but uh, tell us how you decided to run for lieutenant governor of Virginia. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we declared one a little more than a year ago. uh, So it got into the race in Mm -hmm. May of 2016 uh, and we're the first Mm -hmm. Democrat uh, to declare for that office, as you mentioned uh, we've traveled now more than 40,000 miles uh, around the Commonwealth of Virginia uh, in that last year. We visited really every region uh, of the Commonwealth. I've been to you know, far southwest and south side, Hampton Roads of the Valley, central Virginia, Richmond, uh, of course, all throughout northern Virginia as well, northern neck and the eastern mm-hmm. shore. Uh, so we have really uh, made it a point to go and meet Virginians where they are, uh, to listen, uh, to show up and to give them the respect mm-hmm. of listening and uh, and hearing their concerns, their anxieties, their hopes, their dreams for themselves and for their mm-hmm. kids and grandkids and their communities. And it has been a, a powerful uh, experience uh, to travel again uh, around the state, as you also noted and, and know, uh, four years ago I ran for office for the very first time uh, for Attorney General of Virginia. Uh, and in that race, uh, we, again, traveled around the state. Uh, we ended up winning nearly 49% of the statewide vote uh, in that Democratic primary. So we lost uh, by less than two votes per precinct. Uh, we were also endorsed by the Washington Post uh, in that race. And uh, and we kept going because it you know, wasn't just about – you know, one opportunity wasn't certainly wasn't just about uh, wasn't about me. Uh, it was really about what we could mm-hmm. do uh, to fight for more Virginia families and to give them that that opportunity in life that that we have been fortunate to have. So, uh, so I decided to run for lieutenant governor, 
again about uh, a year ago uh, because, you know, that passion still you know, burns very deeply with me to, you know, make sure that people get that shot. Uh, it is just something that drives mm-hmm. me every day. Uh, as you know, I, I think about, you know, my, my late maternal grandparents every day and, and, and the extraordinary things that they did for us, you know, two very humble mm-hmm. people um, who, you know, really you know, changed our lives um, through the eloquence of their example and, and through their sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I recall how inconvenient, you know, things were uh, for them to do what they did for us. And, uh, and so people often ask me, well, you know, you have a family of my, you know, my wife, Serena Fairfax, who is a dentist, a doctor, a wonderful, mm-hmm. beautiful person, a great professional with two young kids, a seven-year-old son uh, and a six-year-old daughter, and uh, love them very much. And, and of course, campaigning, mm-hmm. uh, tr- you know, requires that, you know, I'm on the road a fair amount, uh, and I miss some time mm-hmm. with them. And people say, well, why would you, you know, why would you go out there and do this, given, you know, all the other obligations you have, my my legal practice and my my family and home life? And I say, you know, I always remind myself about inconvenient it was for people to do the things they did for me. Uh, and the fact that if they did not inconvenience themselves, I wouldn't be here. Uh, and I would not have the opportunities that I have. And so I think it's part of repaying that spiritual debt is doing things when they're inconvenient for you uh, in order to make things possible for other people. And I think that's how we you know, pay back that spiritual debt. It's by paying it forward. Uh, and so I believe that through uh, the Lieutenant Governor's Office, uh, we can uh, be a vehicle to provide those opportunities for a high-quality education uh, for people so that they can get higher-paying jobs, as you mentioned, uh, these middle-skilled mm-hmm. jobs that pay, you know, three, four, five times the minimum wage uh, so people can really have uh, economic security and opportunity, uh, that we raise the minimum wage from seven twenty-five an hour up to $15 an hour so people can have a livable wage, support their families, not have to work two and three and four jobs where they don't get to see their kids, uh, but instead uh, that we give them the opportunity to, you know, work hard and transform uh, the prospects of their lives and those of their family and send their kids mm-hmm. to college and community college and four-year institutions and uh, can, can afford to buy a home and get access to capital to start or grow a small business, as my wife and I have been fortunate uh, to do. Uh, and also that we're protecting people's fundamental constitutional rights to be treated equally and fairly uh, under the law, yes. uh, that we get rid of discrimination. Uh, we unfortunately are now seeing out of this you know, White House and this administration at the federal level, uh, I think a very dark view um, of what this mm-hmm. country uh, can be. And I think part of our challenge, uh, and it's a moral challenge, is to start to write a new story and a new narrative uh, in this country. Uh, Virginia is the first major national election in the country following uh, this most recent presidential inauguration. And so it really is one of the first opportunities that people have to hear from us as a people about uh, what we believe the values are of this country. Uh, And I think that we're going to send a signal both on June 13th in this primary election and in November uh, that we reject, uh, you know, the cynicism, the the divisiveness, the hatred, the xenophobia, the misogyny, uh, that we reject Mm -hmm. that uh, fundamentally as Americans and as people who country and love each other uh, and that we want a different story, a uh, different chapter to be written in the story of this nation that is positive, that welcomes people. Uh, I went out as yes. you know, to Dulles Airport uh, on the first night of that horrific, you know, unconstitutional Muslim travel ban. It's one of the worst things that I have ever seen. And, uh, but as dark as the reason was that we were there, uh, I was incredibly inspired uh, at what happened uh, that night uh, because – we banded together uh, as one people. Uh, there were hundreds of protesters mm-hmm. and dozens of other lawyers uh, at that international rivals gate. We told the federal agents mm-hmm. that we're not going home until everybody else does. And uh, I, it was the proudest day I've ever had as a lawyer because 
uh, every single person who was unlawfully detained that night in Dulles Airport pursuant to that Muslim travel ban was allowed to leave the airport to go home and to be with their families. Uh, and that would not have happened if, if we had not come together spontaneously to reinforce what it means to live in this country. Uh, no matter your status, you are protected by the Constitution, and you are valued. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have equal value, and we will not tolerate discrimination. What you do to one person and discriminate against them, you do to, all, to each person. What you do to one community, you do to every community. Uh, there were people mm-hmm. of different faiths uh, who came together to reassert those values, our constitutional values, and reassert, uh, reassert that, uh, that moral principle uh, that we were all created equal. Uh, by God, and that we're going to be treated equally uh, in this country. And so uh, that's the powerful new chapter that we get to write uh, in the history of this nation in 2017, starting here in Virginia, which is the cradle of democracy in the Western world. Uh, And so it will be a powerful signal, and I believe that Virginia can be the match that sparks the wildfire of progressive change really all across this country and all across this world. Uh, And that's the opportunity that we have starting on June the 13th. Wow. Audience, um, I just hope that you um, are taking in the commitment that Justin is displaying, taking in the inclusiveness that he's displaying, and his uh, know-how. I think it's going to be uh, just a significant turning point in our nation's history. when we when we have our chance to exercise our right to vote, absolutely. Let me let me let me ask you about. Yes. We know some of the key things that are really really important to you, and as you uh, have yes. have always said, um, so that everybody gets a shot, and those things that matter to uh, working working families and their children. Are there any issues that you are particularly passionate about and eager to tackle at the state level? Yes, absolutely. Uh, And, again, within that economic security and opportunity umbrella, uh, there's some very key and specific things that I think we need to do, and I know that we can accomplish that will allow more people, uh, again, to move up the economic ladder and to support their families and to make sure that their dreams are real uh, in this country. And Mm -hmm. so specifically, as much you want to raise the minimum wage from $7.25 an hour uh, up to $15 an hour, I think that's very important so people can have a livable Mm -hmm. wage to support their families. I want more people to be able to get these middle-skilled jobs that I mentioned. Uh, The two biggest barriers Mm -hmm. are – uh, people can't afford the classes and the certification. Uh, they're about $4,500 on average, which, you know, for a lot of families is a lot of money. Um, and also, they can't afford the opportunity cost of not working for the time that it takes to be yeah. certified. So if it takes you 12 months, uh, you know, who's paying the rent? Who's putting food on the table yeah. while you're out uh, getting certified? So we want to create a bridge for people. Um, and it can be a public-private partnership but where we allow them that opportunity to get that training because once they get it, uh, it changes for the rest of their lives what's possible mm-hmm. uh, and raises the trajectory mm-hmm. uh, for them and their families so that they can get these higher-paying jobs to pay, get on average three, four, five times the minimum wage, and you can go from making $14,000 a year, which is the minimum wage here in Virginia at 40 hours a week, to making closer to fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year. And at that level, you yes. can start to do things like save up to buy a home. Uh, you can afford to start to think you know, about sending your kids to college. Um, and uh, you know, getting access to capital to start and grow a small business. So uh, that's critical. Uh, I mentioned students mm-hmm. in college. Uh, we also have to tackle this 
uh, really crushing student loan debt crisis uh, in our nation. Uh, we, uh, on average, our students are graduating with about $30,000 in student loan debt at an average interest rate of 8%. Uh, and so these are astronomical rates uh, when you talk about young people who are just simply doing what we've asked them to do, uh, which is to get a high-quality yeah. education to pursue their dreams, and they're being punished on the back end with this crushing student loan debt, uh, which is preventing them from doing things like starting a family, uh, buying a home, you know, starting a small mm-hmm. business. And so we want to create a student loan refinancing authority, uh, which nine other states already have done, so we know that it, it can be done. Uh, to allow mm-hmm. young people and their families to refinance that 8% debt down to closer to market rates, 2.5%, 3%. Uh, and when they do that, oh, they that can save you know, hundred massive difference. Exactly, Linda, you're exactly right. Yes. And, you know, if you can save, you know, two, three, four, five hundred dollars $500 a month, you can take that money, mm-hmm. save up, put a down payment on the home, uh, buy that house five, Absolutely. seven, or ten years sooner, uh, and start building wealth and having a place for your uh, family to grow uh, you can start accelerating your debt repayment so that you're out of debt, you know, perhaps a decade sooner, uh, which frees you up to do so many other things where you're not simply trying to, you know, go paycheck to paycheck and month to month to pay a mm-hmm. hefty student loan bill. Uh, and you can access capital, start you know, your own small business. My wife and I, as I mentioned, bought a dental practice 10 years ago in Fairfax. We've been incredibly blessed uh, to have that practice to employ people who are also, you know, supporting their families. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and that's really what this country is all about. It's no matter where you start, you get a chance. And, uh, and so I'm passionate about those economic issues that allow people to move up in this nation. I'm passionate about protecting people's rights. Uh, but also, and this is an issue, Linda, that we have spoken about that I talk about really everywhere I go, uh, I am passionate about uh, reforming our criminal justice system. Uh, we have, yeah. unfortunately, a broken system in so many ways. It is expensive. Uh, it is discriminatory, both with regard to uh, racial discrimination, but also socioeconomic discrimination. Uh, our poor families mm-hmm. and communities are suffering under, weight, under the weight of this broken system, uh, and it's ineffective. Uh, it's not even accomplishing the goals that we set out uh, to rehabilitate people rather than simply punish mm-hmm. them. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and just a couple of quick notes to give this some scope uh, of the problem. You know, we, we pay about $3 billion with a B every year uh, to incarcerate – I'm sorry, to run our criminal justice system, and about half of that – solely on incarceration, so about a billion uh, and a half solely to lock people up. Uh, It costs us about $27,000 per year uh, per adult inmate to house them in our state prisons, Uh, but we pay about $150,000 per year to house a juvenile in our state prisons, $150,000 a year per juvenile. Uh, And to me, uh, my first reaction, Linda, like yours, when I saw that number was that That is a four-year scholarship to any college or university Mm -hmm. in the Commonwealth of Virginia, Mm -hmm. what we pay to lock one kid up for one year. Uh, And wouldn't it be far better uh, if we diverted more of these resources to the front end uh, to give, you know, young people universal uh, pre-K, to give Mm -hmm. them uh, access to a high-quality education throughout K through 12 and beyond, uh, to make sure that their behavioral and and healthcare nutritional needs are being met, uh, all the things that we know are proven to decrease dramatically the likelihood that they ever end up uh, in the prison system or behind bars. And so uh, I want us to take you know, a fraction of that money that we're spending uh, and spend it in investing in our kids rather than simply locking them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned it's ineffective. The three-year recidivism rate is north of 75% for juveniles. So that you know, we're spending that $150,000 a year. Within three years, about three and four of them are coming back into the system. 
so mm. we are wasting this money, and we're also wasting human capital in the lives of our young people. Uh, and I think it is both an economic issue, but it's also, in my view, a moral issue, one of the great moral issues of our time. Wow. That, those data points are, are just deeply disturbing. 150000 a year to house a juvenile. I, yeah. I greatly yeah. appreciate, particularly, you know, the recognition of reengineering is needed here. <laughs> Absolutely. What we're doing is, is not working. And, and one of the a quick note on the criminal justice reform, uh, we in Virginia, uh, there was a study done that shows that we are number one in something we should not be number one in, uh, and that is in the uh, school to prison pipeline. And, uh, and so the study uh, indicated that we in the Commonwealth of Virginia refer our young people uh, for school-based infractions to the criminal justice system at a higher rate than any other state in the United States of America and the District of Columbia. Uh, and so we unfortunately, you know, have this system uh, that we need to dismantle that school-to-prison pipeline. Uh, we have so many young people who are getting caught up in the system at a very young age, um, you know, being tagged with misdemeanors and felonies, you know, in middle school and in high school. And, and when, you, when you do that to a young person, um, you know, obviously we've got to keep our schools safe, keep our teachers safe, and protect the learning environment. Uh, but there are things that we can do to uh, re-engineer the way that we deal with many of these uh, issues. Uh, there are many kids who are in the system because of behavioral issues, right, that are not necessarily yeah. violent, but uh, they need, you know, behavioral health therapy. And, and there are issues at home that we can address uh, if we simply deal with mm-hmm. the root cause issues. But instead, it's mm-hmm. easier uh, in many cases to just say, okay, you have misbehaved. Let's get you in front of a judge or a police officer or a prosecutor. And as a former prosecutor uh, myself, um, I think we have to just look very differently and through a different lens about how we uh, engage in our criminal justice system. And for people who have told me that, you know, it's simply a matter of us you know, disciplining our kids and that's good, I said that to believe that where we are in Virginia on this issue is okay, you would have to believe that our young people are less well-behaved than children in 49 other states and in the District of Columbia, which I know is not true. Um, our children mm-hmm. are not worse-behaved. Uh, our system is worse, and our system is broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, as a former federal prosecutor, someone who grew up in a tough uh, environment in inner city Washington, D.C., uh, and has seen the criminal mm-hmm. justice system rob you know, so many people uh, you know, of, of, of what was possible in their lives, uh, I'm passionate about this mm-hmm. issue, and I'm dedicated to making sure that you know, we don't have one more person uh, who doesn't need to go through that system, go through this criminal, broken criminal justice system. Uh, I asked the Washington Post to shadow me. Uh, they wanted to get a sense of our campaign and what our message was about and what our priorities were. Uh, and asked them to shadow mm-hmm. me at the Fairfax County Juvenile Detention Center uh, because I said, if that's mm-hmm. if you really want to know what this campaign is about, then you will know that we are willing to go into these juvenile detention centers to talk about what's working, what's not working, and how we rescue these young people uh, from the system and how we make sure that they are uh, a complete 180, actually not just avoiding criminal justice system, but actually going out and reaching for their dreams uh, and being supported and given the resources. So that's what life has really got to be about. And and again, that's through public service and through the Lieutenant governorship, uh, what we're focused on doing. Oh, Justin Fairfax, I have uh, just the deepest confidence that um, if the people of Virginia will get out and vote next Tuesday for you, um, get engaged in your campaign, uh, that Virginia will be so well served. So before I bring our first guest back, 
I want to have you um, just share with listeners how they can get more information and how they can support your campaign. Yes, absolutely, Linda, and thank you so much again for all of your work and for highlighting the importance uh, of our elections, uh, particularly the one on June the 13th. Uh, it's critical that people come out absolutely. and vote. Um, because that's how we control our destiny and start to get back on a much better footing and, and create opportunities for people to really achieve their God-given potential. And, uh, and so four years ago, as you know, in the primary, uh, turnout statewide was only 3%, uh, meaning that 97% wow. of people stayed home. And we cannot have 97% of people stay home and expect the changes that we want to see and need to see in our society. So I right. uh, want to make sure that people come out on June the 13th and vote. Uh, they can vote in-person absentee up until June the 10th uh, if, if they won't be available on Election Day to vote. Uh, and they also can – today, June the 6th, uh, is actually uh, the last day to request an absentee ballot by mail. So we want those key dates for people to know. But also June the 13th mm-hmm. is Election Day. Uh, people can visit our website, uh, which is at uh, www.fairfax, uh, just like the county, my last name, uh, for for. Mm-hmm. Uh, LG, as in Lieutenant Governor, uh, dot com. So Fairfax4LG.com. Uh, we are also uh, on Facebook and Twitter uh, and Instagram. Uh, and if people want to email us, they can email at info, I-N-F-O, at Fairfax4LG.com. Uh, they can also call us uh, at 703-672-0791. Uh, and we would be honored uh, for anyone who's you know interested in volunteering with our campaign to knock doors, to make phone calls, to uh, man a, uh, a polling station on election day. Uh, we have over 400 volunteers statewide who have signed up uh, to to do those things, and we are adding more every single day. Uh, and it's just been this amazing groundswell of support. Uh, as I mentioned, we have over 100 elected officials yes. who've endorsed us: Congressman Jerry Connolly from Northern Virginia, Congressman Donald McEachin from Richmond. Uh, and ha- more than half of the Senate Democratic Caucus. And, of course, the lieutenant governor presides over the Senate and breaks ties. So uh, we've been seeing support from elected officials, but also from the grassroots, uh, just incredible mm-hmm. activism and energy of people who say we want, uh, we love the message of resist and rise. So we're going to resist the, 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 the darker mm-hmm. impulses that we are seeing, the division, the, the, the xenophobia, the misogyny, the hatred, uh, the racism. Uh, but uh, not only are we going to resist, and we won't let you divide us with a Muslim travel ban or taking away people's health care or discriminate against them, but we're also going to make sure that everyone can rise. Uh, and that really is the powerful second part of that message, uh, that no matter where you start, uh, where your family is, how much money you have or don't have, the color of your skin, who you love, where you were born, you're going to get that shot to rise uh, and to achieve the American dream, and that we're going to fight for you every single day to make sure that's possible. Powerful, very powerful. Right now, I just want to thank you. Um, I'm so honored, Justin, that you're taking time out of thank your you. uh, tremendously hectic schedule. I'm going <laughs> to bring you. I'm going to bring Tilly Blanding back in, and I would invite our audience right now. If you have comments or questions um, for our two very distinguished guests. This is your chance to ask them. I am opening the phone lines for any of you who would like to ask questions or make comments. Call us now at 1-646-716-9397. That's 1-646-716-9397. 
I can't emphasize enough the importance of taking advantage of this unique opportunity to engage with two candidates for statewide office. Becoming a part of the solution can begin with you today engaging with candidates for statewide office. Again, the number, if you'd like to get in on this conversation, is 1-646-716-9397. You know, I think I'm just going to own that my motive here is that no one is at home next week in Virginia for the primary saying, I wasn't sure about the candidates. I didn't know who to vote for. Here's your chance. You've got... Um, two people who have shared their some of their platform, and they've shared who they are, who their value, uh, what their values are. So join us, and while we're waiting for your calls, of course I've got more questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> Philly, are you back with us? Yes, I am, Linda. Okay. Hi, hey, wonderful. Uh, hi, hi, Tilly and, and, and Linda. May I just say, uh, Tilly, and I know you all spoke earlier. I caught some of the uh, interview. She is an extraordinary human being um, and will be a great mm-hmm. delegate in the House of Delegates. And I, you know, 100% support her and endorse her. And she is somebody, she's, she's the best of what we have to offer uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia and in this country. And uh, she has my full support. And anything I can do to make sure Tilly gets elected, uh, nominated June the 13th and then elected uh, in November, I will do. Uh, she's extraordinary. Oh, and oh, just amen. I feel the same about you. You're just the most awesome young man I have met, and I'm so blessed. <laughs> Thank you. Known you, know you, found you. You know, he's family. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you just rock. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're You're wonderful. And when you talk about well, we've got we've got a caller. Let me see if I can get this caller in on our conversation. Caller at seven zero three prefix three zero three. I'm sorry, seven zero three area code three zero three prefix. Press one, and you're on live with us. Good afternoon, Linda. Yes. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I would first like to uh, to say thank you to both candidates, both Tilly, uh, Ms. Blanding, and uh, Mr. Fa- Fairfax for their service. I thank think uh, mm-hmm. I I have uh, questions, numerous questions, but I'm going to kind of summarize them a bit and get would like to ha- hear a response from both uh, persons. Okay. I, I'm hearing both persons. Uh, have had a life of service, which I I thank them sincerely for, and as well as a background uh, uh, that will provide um, the knowledge base to serve very well. So I would be interested in what both candidates have to say about uh, the role of the church as well as the role of the school in such things as educating. I hear a great emphasis on listening, educating parents so that they know what's happening with this prison to school to prison pipeline that needs to be addressed, employment, Mm -hmm. and so on, and educating service learners among our students, which Mm -hmm. would hopefully reduce some of the prison, the uh, school to pipeline uh, concerns that are shown. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to hear both candidates speak to those things, school, church, and the responsibility of each as they see it as educational facilities. 
mm-hmm. as well okay. as uh, educating parents so that as, as to reduce this great, grave concern um, mm-hmm. of our children ending up in the prison system. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Thank you. Um Justin, would you like to go first? Uh, I'd defer to Tilly if, you, if you'd like. I'm happy to if you'd like okay. to. Or, or Tilly, you're welcome to go first. Oh, Tilly, I'd love okay. for you to just, I'd love for you to first comment you. about the church. That would be great. Okay, I'll chime in. Uh, well, you know, um, the church, of course, reaches out to the community. And in my work mm-hmm. as a social worker, you know, I work with the interfaith communities of all faiths and backgrounds, no matter what your belief mm-hmm. was. That was my job in Region 4. And what we mm-hmm. did with a lot of the churches to, and, and, and faith communities, I will say, because everything is not a church, what we did mm-hmm. with a lot of the faith communities, we offered the parenting course, which is a three-month parenting class on teaching parenting, and we had it at um, my church, Antioch Baptist Church, teaching parents, mm-hmm. you know, a parent in a positive way. And we have, mm-hmm. like, different age groupings, you know, from zero to five years, and what, you know, the adolescent group. And when we did that, um, we provided babysitting, of course, and food. The parents had other children and transportation that they could not get there. So this mm-hmm. was a not a one-week fly-by-night, teaching parents how to role model, how to help their children at home, how to parent. And see, if you were in an adolescent class, the parents were in their class, and then the adolescents, they had their own class too, teaching them how to work within the home, to, you know, mm-hmm. work with your parents and do your best job. Mm-hmm. So it's a comprehensive type program that still goes on, and we offer it in Spanish, the uh, language also to make sure that people are getting that resource that they need. Uh, so the, yes. the, the the faith communities play a great role in this. And also uh, I work with the pre-K, you know, the Head Start program, but we need, that's mm-hmm. federal. We need to, you know, put more money in that budget, as Justin was talking about before. But pre-K, when you talk about this school-to-prison pipeline, so uh, because yes. the early intervention is just so important. Mm-hmm. Another thing I do in the economy as a social worker, I opened up three family resource centers in low-income areas in apartment buildings. As the, the, the apartment owner would give us a basement. We bring all kinds mm-hmm. of programs in there to help parents, to help children, to help families, you know, adjust to their environment. Because a lot of times these people, this was new. They were new to this country. They didn't speak the language. People were not mm-hmm. getting paid. They were not getting paid in the job. Uh, they were washing dishes. They were doing things in the community, but they weren't paying them, and they were trying to feed their families. So I went and talked yeah. to them with the county lawyers, and they had this pro bono program. Comes out, we had the translator. You make an appointment, talk to the lawyer. Bam, they would get paid. So we, mm-hmm. as a community, need to work comprehensively to help. Prevention is the key here. Prevention mm-hmm. and prevention is the key here to helping mm-hmm. her, uh, uh so we won't be on this track for this school-to-prison uh, pipeline, offering positive programs so that families will yes. uh, know what to do when they're in a situation where they don't know what to do and know the resources, where to go. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. When you say that, when you say that, Tilly, it makes me think of, and I've always believed, helping um, young people to know how to make good decisions, and, and that ties into prevention. Yep. 
Exactly. That's what you're these characters. Good choices. Exactly. That's right. Justin, mm-hmm. tell us your thoughts. Yes. Well, I, I completely agree with everything that Tilly said. And, and again, I think uh, your listeners, everyone got a, just a glimpse, even in her recounting the things that she's done uh, in her life to help other people about her heart for service. And, and for other folks, that you know, these are things that you probably never would, would know about that she's done for so many mm-hmm. years but that have changed people's mm-hmm. lives. And that's that spiritual wealth that I talked about that Tilly has been given to people forever. Uh, so I completely agree with everything that she said in terms of, you know, ensuring that there are resources available, available to families, regardless of their, you know, status, uh, immigration status, regardless of how much money they have or don't have, color of their skin, mm-hmm. uh, and making sure that they uh, get those resources earlier on in life. Uh, but also, you know, and I would just uh, add add this. I think the faith community, and I appreciate your your uh, caller's uh, question. Um, I think many. Mm-hmm. I've always taught that many hands make light work. You know, and we have a lot of issues <laughs> that we are faced with. Uh, again, school to prison pipeline, lack of access to proper nutrition, um, the lack of opportunity for many people who are new. Uh, you know, new American uh, immigrant populations. Uh, to be able to navigate their way uh, through, uh, you know, our both our economic system, our political environment. Um, and so I think that the more people we can have helping, uh, the better. And the faith community uh, across, you know, in the interfaith way uh, has really demonstrated over time this capacity, this ability, this passion uh, to carry out their, you know, faith missions, to serve other people. Uh, and whether that's, uh, again, whether that's the church, whether that's a you know, mosque, a synagogue, uh, and including people who don't practice any particular faith at all, uh, but who believe mm-hmm. that we were, you know, all put on this planet uh, to make it better for each other. Uh, and so, bringing everybody together in ways where uh, we can, you know, let them lend uh, both their resources, uh, their financial resources, but more importantly, uh, their human resources, the the spiritual capital mm-hmm. that that they can give to people, and helping young people find mentors. I think every young person in the Commonwealth of Virginia should have a mentor. Uh, and that's you know, mm-hmm. something that we can help work in a public-private way uh, to to assert for people, helping people to find jobs. Um, uh, you know, I tell people, and this is an interesting mix of you know both the uh, faith community and the in the in the public sector. My very first job, full-time job, uh, was actually through the DC Summer Works program, uh, where they guaranteed uh, that every young person during the summer uh, could have a job. And the place where I worked uh-huh. for that entire summer was at a Baptist church. Uh, so I worked at a church uh, off of U Street, and I cleaned that church that entire summer. I you know, cleaned the pews, I cleaned the toilets, I cleaned the you know cleaned the outside, and did whatever the you know the church needed. And I, but I was paid through mm-hmm. uh, the city government, uh, and it was this powerful experience because you know, I made minimum wage. Which back then was probably about five lower five dollars an hour, but it's one of the greatest jobs mm-hmm. that I ever had because. You know, somebody thought enough to give me a job. It taught me, you know, an incredible work ethic to show up. People depend mm-hmm. on you and, um, and the values of hard work. That's why I respect so many people who get up every single day and do very difficult jobs. Um, and we got to start, I think, respecting work and not just wealth, again, in this country. Uh, because, you know, you go to a bus wow. stop at, at 3, 4 in the morning, uh, you see the hardest working people there that you will ever see. These are people who have, you know, some of which have just finished their last job and on the way to the next job mm-hmm. uh, just because mm-hmm. they want their kids to have a shot in this country. Uh, and so I think the faith community can be an integral part of helping us to deal with the challenges that we face. And, and uh, you know, we, we can have opportunities for the public sector, the private sector, the faith community to come together um, to make sure our kids are getting um, you know, what they need, uh, both physically, materially, uh, and spiritually, uh, to, to, to live good lives. 
Absolutely. I agree with with what both of you have shared 100%. Um, and to our audience, I hope some of you, you know, give some consideration for that even maybe a way that you become a part of the solution in your own community. It's stepping Absolutely. up to mentor or support some young people, not that not necessarily that have fallen off track, be proactive in keeping them on the right track. Um, Absolutely. Everybody probably knows a single mother or a single dad who is trying to be mm-hmm. both parents to children. Yep. So I just throw yep. that out there to you. Um, That's right. I want to ask, as our time is uh, winding down, uh, let me give out the phone number again real quickly. Ladies and gentlemen out there, call us at one six four six seven one six. 9397. If you have a comment or a question for uh, Tilly Blanding or Justin Fairfax, um, you know, one thing I wanted to say to or ask both of you about is, you know, today's political discourse can really discourage or intimidate persons who or frustrate persons who have the expertise or have the desire to serve and improve the lives of citizens across the country. Um, But they may be hesitant or uncertain now. Would you say, um, uh, Tilly, would you say something about why it's important nonetheless that people get involved and become a part of the solution? Well, um, that's a great question. You know, uh, I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) It's called Be Encouraged. Be Encouraged. I'm sorry, what's the song? Oh, Be Encouraged, yes. You encourage yourself. You heard that song. Mm -hmm. Encourage yourself. So you know what? That would be the responsibility to encourage yourself, to be encouraged. I think it comes from within. That's where we really Mm -hmm. have to fight. We have to start with each one of us, mm-hmm. feel in your heart, in your soul, that there is a responsibility. I think Justin talked about that, that you mm-hmm. have to stand up against what's going on. If you do not yes. do that, you will be crushed. So you have a right to stand up. It is your obligation and responsibility to stand up. And you have a mm-hmm. voice. You need to know that. And you need to mm-hmm. use it for the betterment of our communities, neighborhoods, for our state. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, your voice is your power, and the power lies within the people. Look what happened Mm -hmm. after the day of the inauguration, right? Right, Linda? Right, Justin? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. One voice, one powerful voice in this nation and throughout the world, throughout the globe. Mm Mm-hmm. We need to knowing that we're not going to stand for this. Truly. People need to get up. Go ahead, Linda. I've got two two callers. I'm sorry. I just want to make sure and get in people with their comments and calls. Um, Caller at 703-863-prefix. Press 1 and you're on live with us. 703863 prefix. Yes. Press one and you're online. Okay, go right ahead. Hi. I'm calling as a 
a former person who has volunteered for uh, campaigning and also one who has given almost 20 years in a prison ministry at the Juvenile Detention Center. And I want to say to both of you that I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of the fact that you have taken the opportunity to let your voice be heard. You will make a difference. You truly will make a difference. You have already explained your background and what your hopes and aspirations are. My call-in is for the average citizen in Fairfax County and in Virginia in total. Please go to the polls and vote. Make sure you are voting. If it doesn't work, it's not the candidate's fault. It's your fault for not voting. Don't be apathetic. Don't say, my vote won't count. It does count. And for those Mm -hmm. who think others can get it done, let your voice be heard. Because the older people are dying out. We need these younger people to take up the mantle. Too much blood has been spilled. Too many lives Mm -hmm. have been lost. Mm -hmm. For us to sit back and assume we don't matter. You do matter. And on Tuesday, June 13th, go to the polls and vote. That is my message. Excellent. God bless oh, you. And, and thank that you so is much. My, That's powerful. Thank you so much, caller. Thank you so yes, much. Thank you. God You're welcome. You said it. She summed it up, didn't she? God bless she you. She summed it up. Can't say it any better Amen. than that. We need to we be have... pranking to the polls. Yes. Hmm. I want everybody to have June 13th emblazoned on their calendars, on their smartphones. Um, we have another caller, actually my favorite caller, <laughs> at 703-887-prefix. Caller, press 1, and you're on live with us. Wow, good afternoon, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, I tell you, um, the last caller just 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 said what I wanted to say in, in so many ways, and, and I'm not going to repeat what she said. I think she did an outstanding job of saying it, and, you know, I mm-hmm. just say that I commend the both of you for what, you, what you've done, for what you're doing, what you're going to do. And my other, my, my other point was the host has already asked <laughs> the main question I wanted to ask, how do you stay encouraged, especially in this time of much deep political divide? especially when you're out knocking on doors, talking to strangers and people. And, and I appreciate the answers that you both gave, and I think you're spot on. And, and if, if there's any more you want to say to that, please do, but, but you've answered it. And, and thank God for both of you. Thank you, thank thank you Coach you, Linda. Thank, you. thank God for you. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you. You want to thank you. You can go, honey. You can go first. Okay, yeah, I will uh, you know, briefly say, first of all, thank you so much for your call and, and that great question and your words of encouragement. Uh, and you asked about how, you know, we stay sort of inspired and, and encouraged. Um, I, I think a couple of things. One is obviously just a, a deep and abiding faith um, that, you know, yeah. we are better than what we are seeing uh, come out of our politics today. Uh, and, and particularly, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a dark time in many ways politically, um, but I mm-hmm. think that we are called, uh, those of us from various faith communities, and again, even people who don't necessarily practice a particular faith, uh, but we're called to be a light in the darkness. Uh, and, and that is how we move our path forward. 
Um, and to be a light in the darkness, uh, you actually have to uh, step out uh, on faith and you have to show up and you have to get around to meet people. And, and I think the more people I meet, uh, and Kelly, you may speak to this, and of course you're one of these people, but and Linda, you absolutely have been one of these people. The more people I meet, uh, the more encouraged I get because you find mm-hmm. that you're not alone. Uh, you find that there are so many amazing and incredible people um, that, you know, don't, you know, you don't see every day on the news as people are arguing with one another and fighting with each other and calling each other names. And uh, you're seeing all these other things go wrong. Uh, but when you actually take the time to step out and have these, you know, deep and profound conversations and connections with people, um, you see just how, you know, incredible and wonderful uh, human beings are. You see the best of what uh, we can be. And as, you know, Abraham Lincoln said, the better angels of our nature. And the more of those better mm-hmm. angels you meet, uh, the more you know uh, that you're moving, uh, we're all moving in the right direction. And so, um, again, you think back to what others have done uh, for, for, for us individually and then all of us collectively, that's spiritual wealth. I think about it every day. I, mentioned, I think about my grandparents every day and, and my family and church members and so many other people who have done this. Uh, and, Linda, when I was fortunate to be on your show before, uh, I think you asked me a lot of great questions, including one, which is, did I have any sort of things that I did on the trail and, 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 and unique things? And I said, people look at me kind of weird uh, when I, you know, before I, almost every time before I speak, um, you know, I will take a deep breath and then kind of just compose myself. And people think that I'm, you know, just doing that as a, as a technique before I speak. But actually what I'm doing mm-hmm. um, is I'm thinking about my grandparents in that moment. And I say, I try to inhale the inspiration, you know, of their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think about, you know, what would they want me to be focused on? What would they want me to be saying? Um, and, and I do it every day. Um, and, and that mm-hmm. really just, it's a centering moment because it reminds me, this is why we're here. And it keeps that connection uh, going uh, with them and with their lives, with their message mm-hmm. and their mission, uh, which is the only reason that I'm here. Uh, and I say my, my grandparents, you know, have passed away, but I have never lost them, you know, not for a single day. Um, and, uh, and I think that's what helps to keep me uh, encouraged as the people they place in our lives. And, and that includes, you know, the two of you on the phone and all your uh, listeners who have called in and those who are listening today. I want them to please stay encouraged, be inspired. Uh, we have gotten through darker times. Um, and so I, to, I want people to really think deeply about um, all the things that got us through these darker times and uh, got us into the light. And I think we're in a similar moment in history, uh, and we are going to get to higher ground and to a much brighter place. Oh, that is what I call a, a, a powerful wrap-up moment. Um, Tilly, I'm going to give you uh, one minute for a closing remark before I close the show, Okay. Well, you know, for me, you know, when I started on this journey, uh, I stayed encouraged because I went to the church office and I just went down the hallway. Reverend Jones, Reverend Osbury, Reverend Collins. And they cured up, I'm telling you. And I do it every Sunday. I go down and I ask for prayer, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. to keep the battlefield no matter what's thrown my way no matter what negative is thrown my way. You know, and I've, I've watched Justin, and he ran four years ago, and I'm just so encouraged by him. And so yes, he's great. Yes. Thank you. He's just steady on the path because he knows that what he's fighting for is on the right side of history. And it is mm-hmm. so right. So I'm encouraged by Justin to see him and what he's done and how he's been showing us. So, you know, and I think of my parents. God bless you. Think of my parents, you know, yes. we teach them. Plans that a child most of all wants to please its parents. 
Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. hold you. If you got a parent, there's still you can be ninety, and your parent can be hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. I'm proud of what I'm doing. So I'm just saying that they taught me this. They they poured this into me. So I'm Absolutely. just giving. I. I am certain they are proud of you, Tilly. I want to thank both of you, Justin Fairfax and Tilly Blanding, for your time. And you both have my 100% support. I am very excited about your campaigns. And I believe that your leadership, vision, and commitment will serve the Commonwealth of Virginia extremely well. Last thing, audience, June 13th. Polls are open at 6 a.m. and don't close until 7 p.m. Please carve out the short period of time that it takes to get out and vote. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your time and attention today. Please join me for the next Making Inspired Choices with Coach Linda Broadcast on Tuesday, June 20th, when my guest will be Mr. Eric Twiggs, author of a new book, The Discipline of Now, right here at 12 noon, for an hour of uplift and encouragement. Until then, stay blessed.